When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, you're listening to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm your host, Matt Anderson, with Ian Doyle, Theo Squires and David Lynch. I can't promise you this will be half as funny as some of the stuff that Cristiano Ronaldo came out with last night, but I can promise we'll be getting into all of the latest Liverpool FC topics. We'll talk about Southampton, we'll assess the season so far and how things are shaping up with the World Cup now just about upon us. Firstly, Doily, we were all at Anfield on Saturday as Liverpool beat Southampton relatively comfortably. You'd expect that, of course, but it's not always been the case so far this season. It was relatively controlled, a couple of really good saves from Alisson Becker, but that was exactly what the Reds needed, wasn't it, at this point? Yeah, Liverpool stopped playing at half-time, really, didn't they? They kind of thought they'd done enough to win. And I think uh, it was probably one of those games where we actually saw maybe one or two of the players realise that the World Cup was actually next week. And so they just went, well, we've just better be careful here. Yeah, there was off 20 points uh, in the second half where Virgil van Dijk had to go in for a 50-50 with somebody. And he, I just I don't know what he was thinking, but I was thinking back in my mind, thinking, oh, he's actually going to go for this one. But, you know, he, he succeeded with the tackle, shall we say. But, uh, no, Liverpool played really well uh, first half. It was, it was an interesting one in the sense that when Southampton equalised, it made little difference to the way that the game went. And I think sometimes in the past, and very recent past, that Liverpool conceded an equaliser with the crowd and the team would have struggled a little bit, I think. But there wasn't really much of that. I think uh, the performance going forward, certainly. Now, Darwin Nunes had a good game. Uh, Salah, he, he caused them some problems. Firmino got a bit of space dropping deep and that allowed Nunes to get into the you know to the centre rows where he scored his two goals. And uh, you saw Andy Robertson, again, continue his good form. He's been very good over the last few weeks. So, overall, that Liverpool did enough. Harvey Elliott as well, I thought, had a good game. Um, so, there was, there was enough going on there. But, as I said, I think you're right. After 45 minutes, Liverpool thought they'd done enough. Alisson Becker upset to make one or two good. Well, it was three, wasn't it? Good saves. Although I think one of them, it had been one of the ones where uh, one of the I can't remember which Southampton player it was who was through. It would have been disappointing not to save that one because it was right on him. It does, um, wasn't it? Yeah, but, but I think the other two were good saves. And yeah, so uh, four successive wins because you know it's still a win against Derby. They won on penalties, you know, they got through. So, but the, I think the main thing was backing up what they did against Tottenham the previous week. To win at Tottenham was a good result. To then beat Southampton, it's about as much as they could have done going it going into the World Cup. Now, you know, they said there's four successive victories in all competitions, and I wouldn't say there's a feel good factor around Anfield, but there's not a feel down or feel bad factor as there may have been about four weeks ago. Yes, we'll come to the sort of position that Liverpool find themselves in a little bit later on. But we'll talk a, a little bit about the, a few of the, the players that you've mentioned there. Darwin Nunez seems the obvious place to start, Theo. I thought it was a really good all-round performance from him. We've seen, obviously, goals and, and other bits, but that seemed to, to tie a lot of those good bits together on Saturday. Yeah, it did. It's probably the best we've seen him from so far. And he's someone who's really blossomed from just having so many games in a row. 
um, like he's been able to get some rhythm. We weren't able to say that for his first couple of months of his Liverpool career, what the red card and games being suspended, dropping in and out at the start at 11. It was always going to take time, yet he's still been getting goals during this period. And now we're seeing the full benefits of having a few months to settle, finding the relationships with his teammates. And it worked really well with Roberto Firmino and Mohamed Salah in attack. He's got that relationship already blossoming with Andy Robertson behind him at left back. And that was what was most encouraging out of it. It was the fact that he was in sync with so many of his teammates. Uh, we've heard so often from Klopp and Pep Lindis this season when they've had to correct themselves, like they've said, he will be a really good signing. And then so actually he's already a really good signing, but he will get even better. And that, that's what we're seeing. Like it is really encouraging that he has managed to get goals in a difficult period for Liverpool when they've not been playing well, when they've been dropping points. But when it all comes together, as you'd hope, in 2023, with players back from injury, the team finding a bit of form, him back in his favoured position up front, which you assume is coming when Diaz is back from injury, then it should be even better for him. It's been a up and down, what, bedding in period for the first four, five, six months. And he's still got a goal every other game. He's still averaging a goal a contribution every 85 minutes. So it's quite scary what is going to happen next, what standards he can reach, what levels he can reach. And Premier League uh, defences better be wary of that. But it's just been a blessing for Liverpool that he has been able to settle quickly because in the past it has taken players' time and we're still seeing good impact from him. Yeah, we have seen the, the numbers there, Lynch. I think it was, was you that tweeted something after the game on Saturday around the sort of chaos thing that we've seen from him. We have seen chaos. That was less chaotic on Saturday. Like I said before, it just kind of feels like he'd he'd pulled a few good bits together and, and come up with a really good all-round performance on that occasion. Yeah, because I think some you know some elements of his performances in the past, it, it has been sort of unpredictable and you don't know what you're going to get from him. Are you going to get a poor touch or you're going to get a, a, a brilliant run followed by a shot at goal or... You know, he's just consistently caused teams problems, but not in a really sort of orthodox way. Whereas I thought we saw, I thought we saw at the weekend a bit more of you know what you want from a from a Liverpool forward. A, a, you know, the all round performance. You know, not just the goals, which we, we know he's been providing for for quite a while now, and pretty much since he pulled the Liverpool shirt on, he's been a bit of a guarantee of of regular goals. But it was the other elements of his games, some some great bits of play where he you know he comes in deep holds his man off and, and just pops the play off nicely or a couple of really nice crossfield balls that were, you know, sort of pinpoint really, really nice passes crossfield that switched the angle of the attack and then he's hitting the box straight away. And and I thought it's probably his most sort of outstanding moment outside of the goals was the, the ball he plays in for, for Salah on his left foot, um, which, you know, sets up basically a tap and it's a, it's a really good save from Bazunu to, to stop that turning into a goal. But, you know, he could have added an assist to his, to his tally as well as the the two goals for a performance and and it's exciting really because I, I think Liverpool need that you know the, I, I don't buy into the idea that all of the problems um, are, are come at the source of, of losing Sadio Mane but there's been an element of slightly missing him in terms of he was just a guarantee for years wasn't he of a certain level of quality in your attack and, and Liverpool had sort of lost that initially in the season um, not not having him there so if, if Darwin Nunes can step up and, and make that sort of performance, uh, uh, you know, put that sort of performance in on a regular basis, then Liverpool have got another high-quality attacker to add to Mo Salah, Roberto Firmino, obviously Luis Diaz coming back after the World Cup, and hopefully Diogo Jota not too long after that. And that's a, you know, looks like a really, really, um, you know, they look like great attacking options for Jurgen Klopp to have. 
I have to say I've been really impressed as well with him Doyle on the, the left hand side. It's it's not a position that we thought we'd see a lot of him given that they've already got Diaz and, and Jota to play there. Obviously has played it for, for Benfica. But how, how do you sort of see that moving forward? It's kind of come when he's come into this bit of form playing on that left hand side, but it, it does kind of strike me that as soon as Diaz is back it, it might shift and I wonder what the impact of, of that might be on him. Well he's not going to be playing left wing for much longer. In fact he might not play left wing again if Diaz and uh, and Jota back in there i think he's more useful playing down the middle he could be with the two he could be you know he could still be kind of because he obviously he's got his two goals going through the center that's where he needs to be to score his goals it's a little bit like salah isn't it you know he needs to be in a central area to get the goals which is quite funny actually because if, if if nunes hadn't scored or or nuno as liverpool echo now call him uh if nunes hadn't have scored uh that second goal salah would have had a tap in and you could, get, I mean, might read a bit too much into it, but you could see the look on Salah's face. It's like, oh, I could have got that one myself there. But, uh, you know, that's good. That's what forwards want to do. They want to score goals. And Nunes is, is well, I, think, I think I've worked it out. There's only four Premier League players who've scored more goals this season, all competitions. It's Harlan Kane, Salah, and Ivan Tony. Or Ivan Tony, depends. I think he's not He's not Russian, is he? So, um, so yeah, the uh, I think with Nunes... In fact, you know what? Bring Theo in. Theo, come on, get get her off mute. Um, Theo wrote a piece the other month, which we were like, oh, that's interesting, where he basically said that perhaps Nunes should go down the left and Jota down the middle. And uh, half of that's ended up coming true. And I think Theo, Theo obviously saw what he'd done at Benfica and, and thought he could do a job there. It turns out that he has been able to. But, you know, Matt, as, as you said, that I can't really see it being a long-term answer when they've already got two players who can play there. I mean, Theo, what do you what do you think? Do you think he'll be there for much longer? No, not at all. It's one where as soon as Diaz is back, he, that's his spot. Like, yeah, he might be a last minute resort there. But Klopp's pretty much hinted at himself, hasn't he, in the the press conferences recently, where he said he's got to improve defensively to be this left winger. But we don't want to have him forgetting how to play as a striker. We want him to be free to be central, to be a striker, to cut inside. And if you're still having him doing that on the left wing, as we saw to great effect against Southampton, then that still means he's going to be your number nine. They've spent £64 million on him to be this number nine, to be this central striker. You're not going to just put him on the left wing because it's not quite working, especially when it has actually been working. Uh, he's just... When you look at all the formation changes as well, it was almost as though Jurgen Klopp was trying desperately to avoid putting him on the left. He wanted to have him central in his favourite position. And then it was, oh, we're going back to the 4 3 3 We're going to have to just put you there, see what you can do. And it, it has worked. But I think um, it was in response to Lynch's question in the, the post-match press conference. Klopp was saying he's hoping he's getting more luck with um, injuries in the second half of the season. And if that's the case, Nunes isn't going to be on the left because you spend that much money on a striker, you want him playing as a striker. I mean, it's interesting because you're probably right there in the sense that I think he was so reluctant to move him out of the centre because he's a new player coming into a new league, a new team, and he didn't want him to start going off and playing in different positions because we saw what happened with Mane. Mane started his Liverpool career, I'm pretty sure this is right, he started Liverpool career on the right ended up moving off to the left and finished it playing down the middle. So, you know, that that's the kind of thing that can happen. You know, Salah's played down the middle and down the right. Firmino's played, I think, well, he started on the left wing, didn't he? Which wasn't a very good idea. Uh, but it became a false nine. So it, there is this kind of attacking, you know, versatility from all the players that Liverpool signed up front. And I think we've just seen evidence of that. Jota's the ultimate example, isn't it? Because he can play basically play everywhere. 
And of course, wherever he plays Lynchy, the, the key thing is that we're starting to see a little bit more of, of partnerships and, and things forming. There seems to be a bit more of, of a relationship, certainly with Andy Robertson on that side. You've seen the, the sort of link up with Salah as well, which I thought was was interesting. Obviously, the Salah thing is is maybe more of a link up that you might see if he moves into that centre, central position. Yeah, and he, you know, I think the idea as well is that although he's probably going to be moved so that his fixed position is centre forward, you you have to have that flexibility in Liverpool's front three to sort of pop up in in all sorts of areas, and therefore you've got to be good at linking with the fullbacks, you've got to be good at linking with the midfielders that are behind you, and also and and at all times then you you fellow forwards. And there's um, yeah, I think that the idea that Salah was behind him for the goal, one of the goals he scored, is kind of nice really because I think they think in similar ways. And I, and I think that's quite handy in terms of setting each other up. You know, the the ball that he puts on a plate for Salah's chance in, in the first half is he, he know he knows that Salah's going to be there because that's exactly what he would be doing. He would be hitting the box at that speed, trying to get behind the last line and, and trying to give himself a tap in. And so he knows that Salah's going to do similar things. And I, I think you know some of the play they put together has, has been quite nice to watch. And I think it's because of that. I think it's that similar mentality and. And knowing what each other wants and, and players of certain level of quality and intelligence, they do tend to link up quite well. And I think we're we're seeing it with those two. And and yeah, there's there's link ups with other players as well that and yeah, they, they bode well for the future because you know Nunes is gonna gonna be a big part for Liverpool show, uh, going forward. And and the fact that he's already building these relationships at this early stage of his Liverpool career is is only a good thing. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, certainly some good signs in the attack. Some good signs in midfield as well, I thought, Dori. I thought Fabinho looked, well, just a lot more like Fabinho again, which certainly helps Liverpool. Didn't have loads of, of options in the centre of the pitch, but I thought that looked a lot better. Not just him, of course, the, the players either side as well, but he is one that's been a little bit below par this season, it's fair to say, but I thought he looked much better on Saturday. Yeah, was, is there a World Cup coming up? Does he, does he feel as though he has to put some games in there? No, that's not fair on him, is it? Let's be honest. Um now, he, uh, his form has been slightly interesting this season. Klopp couldn't quite put his finger on what's happened. But I thought he was good against Tottenham as well. I think he was good first half, pushing Liverpool forward. I think on the second half, you know, on the retreats, you know, covering things up, which we're more used to him. I mean, one thing that I can't remember who said this, it certainly wasn't me because it's far too insightful, but said that for Fabinho, I think he's kind of struggled a little bit this season because... He can see stuff's going wrong in front of him, so he feels as though he needs to start being a little bit more creative in terms of going forward. And there's been times where he's been caught out of position because he's never really had the legs to get back. And I, I think possibly now, with the switch back to the four-three-three and the players, that's a that's a formation he's a bit more comfortable in. I think he doesn't really have to go forward as much because there's a bit more faith in those those in front of him to get the job done. Because there was always that thing, wasn't it, about Liverpool under Klopp, is that, well, the midfield doesn't really con- contribute many goals or doesn't have many assists, and you never really had to because there was that many people doing it up front. And the fullbacks were doing things. You know, Robertson set up two goals on uh, on on their Saturday. As I said before, he's come into a bit of form. He, he contributed that first goal against Tottenham, and he played the ball in for Nunes. So... I think the fullbacks having a, a bit more joy, and I think it's just because the whole team's a bit more settled. They know a bit more what they're doing, and there's a bit more, for want of a better word, confidence in the attack. You know, you always have confidence in your teammates, but there's a bit more belief in the fact that they can actually do something because they look as though they know what they're doing as a as a unit. So I think there's all a bit of that, and it's you can just reverse that entire thing, and that's an explanation why Liverpool weren't so good in the first part of the season. I think it's one of the one of the factors. So. Yeah, I do think that uh, 
the midfield, Fabinho, I thought, as I said before, Elliot, I thought had a good game again. And he's another one who's, who's come on. I think he's gone. You know, Glinchy will know. Me and Lynchy were at, who was it? Was it Oldham, wasn't it? In the EFL trophy about three years ago. And we just went, he looks good. You know, I think it was the first time we'd seen him properly play in a competitive game. And since then, he's obviously had his spell at Blackburn. Um, and I think this season, there was some criticism early on, but he wasn't quite so good at the old defensive job because possibly when he was playing at the start of last season, he didn't really need to do that because Liverpool were you know, in quite good form before his injury. Uh, this season, a bit different, but I think he's got he's got into it. Yeah, he, he made a massive difference when he came in against Derby, obviously scored the winning penalty in, in midweek. And for him, I think that's kind of helped Trent a little bit, although Trent didn't really get forward that much on Sunday, I don't, uh, on Saturday, I don't think, but didn't really have to because the other fullback was doing the business. So as long as Liverpool have got one of them doing something, I think, as we saw, it's, another, it's that kind of attacking threat that they've got. And the knock-on effect is, is it allows players like Fabinho to get on with doing what they're actually there supposed to do. Yeah, I thought Elliot was was excellent, Theo, at the weekend. I think that was his first assist in the Premier League. I think I read that. It was indeed. Sunday. Yeah. On my piece, I'm sure. I'm sure it was, yeah. It quite possibly was. I'll let you talk about Albie Elliott, though, because, like I say, just a, a really, really good performance. The pass from, from him into to Darwin Nunez was just one moment, really, of, of quality. There was lots of others as well. Yeah, he's another player who seems to be really benefiting from this added responsibility and rhythm of starting games week on week. And it's getting to the point now where even when players are back from injury after the World Cup, you wouldn't be necessarily surprised if he was first choice in Liverpool's midfield still. Uh, the pass for the goal was superb. The fact that he had the time and the vision to look up, pick it, and just get the perfect weight on it for Nunes um, to find the bottom corner. It was like almost telling Nunes how to finish it, to score the goal. And it was another case of him throughout the game. He's got the ball at his feet, running forward, linking up well with Mohamed Salah and just really good at carrying it forward and being this more attacking midfielder. He's a bit different to Liverpool's other options because He's one of those midfielders where he's got more of an eye for goal. You expect him to be a little bit more creative. We saw him do it when he was on loan at Blackburn. It's just about stepping up and doing it week in, week out in the Premier League. But he's still a teenager and it'll come with time. It'll come with experience. Um, I suppose there was the briefest of moments where, hang on, he could actually be getting an England reprieve here because there were a couple of shouts going, is he not in contention? James Madison comes off injured. It's like it could be a very late audition. Obviously, Madison should be fine. And even then, there's probably a couple of players ahead of him in the pecking order, like Ward Prowse, to uh, take that void, fill that void. But he's still such an exciting young player. And it, his time will come. As Doyley said, you could see that from the first moment you saw him, he's going to be some player. We're saying the same stuff now when we're seeing Ben Doak for the first time. But with Elliot, he's got what an under 21's Euros next summer for England. And then it's one oh, for the next eight, 10 years, he could be first choice for club and country if he can build on this, find that consistency, get a few more goals, get a few more assists. We're already seeing the signs where he's got a bit more of a killer instinct in front of goal, uh, in more in the Champions League, I suppose, than the Premier League, but he's adding these to his game and you're just waiting for him to make those next steps up. And it's what Liverpool need, really, when we talk about the midfield. It's ageing. If players are injury-prone, there are players are out of contract. You need the next generation to step up and fill those gaps, and that's what Harvey Elliott is doing. Yeah. I would, sorry, just to come in on that, I would sort of still sound a, a note of caution about the midfield. I know we said at the top of the pod that, you know... You've been all about this all season? <laughs> yeah, I still, you know, and I still think, I don't think we should just, you know, recent results have been good and I think performances have been better and I, I totally agree, but I, I still think we should be careful about believing that all the problems are solved in that position. So, 
you know, I, I agreed with the point at the top of the pod that, you know, okay, the, the World Cup and the fact that the break was coming up and, and that Liverpool had a comfortable lead probably played some part in that second half. But, I, you know, I do think there are also, it's, it's very difficult to dismiss what has happened in recent weeks, even against Nottingham Forest and, and, and Leeds in terms of lack of control in that position and say, and just write this one off as, yeah, it's just pre-World Cup problems. I, I, I do still think that Liverpool do have a midfield issue. And that's despite the fact that I, I completely agree that Fabinho has been in, is improving of late. And I think Harvey Elliott has been fantastic since he comes to the team. Really want to keep seeing more of him. And obviously, Thiago. Thiago is a world-class player. I still think there's something not quite right in that unit. And I, and I think that's exemplified by the fact that, you know, Southampton got in front of Allison three or four times throughout the game. And, and, and that shows you that something's not quite functioning right in front of him. Okay, maybe the back four should take some of that blame and, and, and what's going on at the centre-half. But I, I do think a lack, lack of control in midfield was was evident at times and you know the fact that some players are playing individually quite well in there makes it sort of difficult to unpick but i just think the unit as a whole is not is not functioning perfectly and i, I think you know in the second half of the season liverpool they still maybe need to do something to to sort that out whether that is bringing in a new player or or you know jurgen klopp having real think in this period about how things can change in there to make things more solid because uh, you know for me that that is still a major issue and you know, in terms of going for the top four, which is which is obviously the aim now, I think I think Liverpool are going to have to sort that out because if you if you allow too many games to become sort of chaotic in that way, then you will win some and you will lose some, and 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 you know you, you can't always guarantee you're going to come out on the right side of individual matches and then the race for top four. So I think it's it still is a little bit of a problem area for me that that Liverpool need to address. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think Klopp alluded it to a, a little bit when he was speaking after the game, because obviously he was watching in the stands because of the touchline ban, so he had a different view. And he was saying, I could see what we were doing really well, but I could also see what we weren't doing well, what we were doing wrong. And it does feel like that is mainly aimed at midfield because the front three is working really well at the moment and it doesn't feel as though there's many as many gaps in the defence. Like They're not having teams running in behind them as much. Trent's not being um, picked on as much in terms of two players running at him and not really knowing where to move. It does seem to be the midfield. And it's like, how do you assess this? How do you fix this? Because while it's not necessarily as big a crisis as it might have felt a month ago, Liverpool still need a midfield overall. They've still got players who are coming to the end of the contract who are getting to the stage where they can't be starters for Liverpool week in, week out anymore. And they've got the injury-playing players they need to replace. Um, and it's one where Klopp was asked about transfers. I think it was Lynch who asked him about transfers actually after the game. And it's one where it, he, he's always he's done it a couple of times this week. He's been a bit cryptic. Like in the past, the narrative's always been Liverpool plan it out so much in advance they know exactly what they're going to do. And he's not ruling anything out he said he's open to transfers, but he's not saying that any decisions have been made. He's saying they're just holding discussions. So, granted, the World Cup comes into this because there's no point in coming out and saying we want X, Y and Z and then someone goes and breaks the leg in the World Cup. He doesn't know what's going to happen here. And that maybe shows it's an unprecedented season and it is going to have a knock-on effect on the market. You don't know who's going to be available and what price or anything. But it's just a, a bit different to what we're used to seeing from Liverpool when they've usually been so planned out with every single transfer. I'm sure there'll be opportunities for him, like we saw with Luis Diaz last January. But it does feel it's all rather up in the air at the moment for what they might do in the window. And I suppose the uh, takeover talk with FSG hasn't helped that matter either. Just because they're not telling us doesn't mean they're not doing stuff. Go on, Theo. No, You've been in this game true. long enough. You should know this. <laughs> but he still seems rather cryptic as well. He's not as certain as it has been in the past. 
I am now going to say something that the so any transcribers of this podcast at the ready because you can pull this quote. Um, I will say I would be very surprised if Liverpool didn't sign a midfielder in January. Not the most controversial view, but I would be very surprised. That's just my. Is he going to be an England international? I can't possibly say, but <laughs> it's just you know when you just get that kind of just get that feeling in your bones. Although to be fair, that could be arthritis at my age. Uh, <laughs> can you get arthritis before you see a coaching hand? Yeah, I haven't really got it yet. I will be getting it at some point, though. Believe me. Um, so yeah, I just get this feeling that some something's afoot. I do think there's a there's without getting too much into too much you know too much detail or conjecture or whatever have you. There are certain players who've not been playing for Liverpool lately that are a bit curious about that, and uh, I do wonder whether or not. <clears throat> There is kind of kind of situation where they could be moved on to help facilitate bringing somebody else in. Is my personal view without it's my personal view without any insight to the specifics of any transfer, but having obviously covered Liverpool for quite some time and know the way that they work, I do think that something might be up. I think this this January window as well for all they say is is it doesn't appeal to them generally speaking in terms of they don't want to do the business then and I mean that's that's a line they've trotted out regularly despite doing some of the best business under FSG in the in January window anyway but I think this mm. one will be even more appealing in the sense that because there's this gap there's this time to think about it to you know how much time have you got now to start sounding out players about what they'll want what the clubs will want to to allow them to go. Um, you know, all that work can be done in this period and not distract from what you're doing on the pitch and on the training ground. It's, it's you know, it is a, almost a, new, a, a summer in the middle of the season, a, a pre-season in the middle of the season. So, you know, there is a real chance for Liverpool to put some legwork in now in terms of signing someone. And I, re- I really do hope they do because I think it is a, you know, like I say, that midfield is an area that probably needs strengthening immediately, in my opinion, if they're going to achieve their aims to the remainder of the season. So, yeah, fingers crossed Oily's feeling is, is more than just old age. Do you hey? Do you think that do you think that they will sign somebody though? I would always hear on the side of no. You're going Generally no. Generally speaking, I, I, no. That, that's what if I playing it safe is. I would always hear on the side of no because you know it is harder to do. But I think it's. I would like them to, and I think it's. I think, like I say, that I think the opportunity to do it is there. Theo, yes or no? That's all we need. <clears throat> what will they do? Something in January. Yeah, see, that's yes. too many words already. Oh, yes, yes. Matt, what do you think? I, I, yeah, I'll go yes. What, I, I'll go yes. You I'll Literally go yes. Literally outvoted, unlucky. <laughs> fair, well, I, I, I hope you're right. Can whoever's transcribing this, please put all of them too as well, please, thank you. Don't, don't just take us all on. <laughs> yeah, I knew there was a reason you were doing that. <laughs> it, it's quite hard to transcribe just yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure someone will give it a go somewhere along those lines. But uh, yeah, That I mean, was the, uh, the Crystal Plus players interview the other week, wasn't it? Describe your goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was good. I can't remember who that was now, but that was uh, was very funny, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, no. In in, in terms of the, the midfield, I'll come back to you, Doidy. In terms of of that, if if it is to be a, a transfer in Do- in Doidy in January, I should say. Um, yeah, you don't want to do that kind of transfer. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what sort of, of player do you what what type of player would you go for? I mean, we, we've all spoken about Fabinho and, and the lack of, of kind of form for for him. Is it is it a holding player that you'd go for? Is it someone versatile? What what would be what would be your idea of what they should go for? 
Well, you look at it from the long term, and we have to work work on the assumption that Cater, Oxlade, Chamberlain, and probably Milner aren't going to be there in the at the end of the season. So any kind of player that's been brought and is brought in for these six months, uh, whatever how many months, it is six months, isn't it? Left in the season, it'll be for the future. And they've never really done short-term deals, have they? Um, even you know, remember Clavan, he was kind of short-term. He ended up playing in a Champions League semi-final, being on the bench in the final. So I think that that worked out quite well in the end. Um, yeah, I, I think it will depend basically on who's available. The point is, is that any of the kind of midfielders that you just mentioned would be okay? A box-to-box one or a defensive midfielder, either or. If it's a player who can be all of that, brilliant, but then they'd probably cost an absolute fortune and might play for England. But, you know, we'd have to see what happens there. But overall, I think even if Liverpool don't bring in a midfielder, that's the one that a lot of people would like them to bring in immediately straight away. If they bring in somebody who's going to fill either of those two slots, isn't going to impact any kind of move for anyone else because they, they do need these kind of players. I don't necessarily think that they need an attacking midfielder. I think they've got Carvalho can be like that. Elliot can be like that. And there are already enough other players in the squad who can do that kind of role, even for me, you know, someone like that. So there's enough there. And they don't normally play that play that position at that formation anyway. It just gives them the option. But yeah, a midfielder, any of those type box to box or defensive that would benefit the club benefit the squad i should say and uh, i do think that as without wishing to labor the points i wouldn't be surprised if they did do something if possible because next... going, back to, going back to what theo said before about um they had the plans and this that and the other and the other you know, it, it seems a little bit you know different this time you look at it and some of liverpool's best deals have been opportunist ones I think Oxley Chamberlain was one of them. I know he got injured, this, that, and the other. But when they actually signed him, they knew that he was going out of contract, and they went to the last minute and then put in a bid and signed him. There are other players that, they, you know, Minamino. I know these are ones that possibly didn't work out as well as could have been expected. But Minamino still won, you know, quite a few trophies and helped them, and yeah. played a big part last season. He would have, he would have really done with him this season, for example. So these are, might not be the, the absolute top level players, but we're not talking about. Now, that necessarily in January, although they'd like that. We're talking about somebody who can be a squad player and who can help the midfield and, and relieve the pressure and be someone who's going to stick around for a few years, which is exactly what Liverpool... If, if that's what Liverpool end up buying in January, then, then great. I need a genie Wijnaldum, an ex-genie Wijnaldum, someone who has got that energy, who's not going to get injured, who plays whenever you want and can also fill in as a number six. If only he was uh, six years younger and not currently injured. Yes, exactly. Just those two just, things, yeah. Just, just, just those two fairly, fairly significant things. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on slightly in terms of, of other bits as well. I'll, I'll stick with you, Theo. Obviously, we have reached the, the winter break. We've discussed it at length on these podcasts over the last few weeks. The, the sort of sort of ways in which Liverpool need to, to improve or reset or however you want to call it. What what other things do you think are on Jurgen Klopp's list apart from the midfield in this period to, to try and fix and get right? Um, get his players fully fit, the ones who are injured, and get the ones who are out of form back up, back up to form when they've got this pre-season camp. Um, obviously, you've got the seven players at the World Cup. I think there's another, what, nine internationals going away with the countries for the next few weeks. And then it's just enjoy your holiday for a few weeks and get to work in Dubai. I've said it before that after last season, the summer break wasn't long enough for the squad. And then the pre-season break wasn't long enough for the squad. We know how hard they like to work the players in the summer so that they're mentally and physically repaired for the season. And they couldn't do that this year because of the schedule. 
So that has to be the priority when they get to Dubai to make sure that they're making up for that lost time and getting into the standards that they need to be so they can come out all guns blazing the second half of the season. And what a better tie to uh, start that off with than the Man City game. But that's got to be the priority. Like Liverpool have been battered and bruised for these games so far. It's about you've got through there, you've got the scars to show for your efforts. Now regroup, get the strength back in your legs and go again. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And in terms of the, the break, Lynch, it's got to be a fairly substantial advantage for Liverpool that there's only seven of their players going to the World Cup. Only probably three of them will play regularly for the countries, I would say, during that period. That's you know certainly a big advantage over Manchester City, though whether Liverpool should be comparing themselves to Manchester City at this point of the Premier League season, I don't know. But certainly compared to, to a few other clubs as well, that's that's got to be a big thing for Jurgen Klopp, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's time to certainly work on, you know, we... we I'm speaking again about midfield, but you know, if that is a tactical issue rather than something they want to solve with personnel, then it's time to do that with a lot of the people who will be involved in those positions. You know, you, you're keeping Thiago around the place, Salah, for example. Um, it's a full preseason with a with a lot of really good players, and and as you say, a lot of the ones who are going to World Cup maybe won't see that much action. So what they're doing is essentially training with the country, staying fit um in that period and, and hopefully not being as much at risk of getting an injury as well so you'd like to think that when when the team fully comes back together and um, they start with that that league cup game against manchester city that they've got the the ability to to probably name a stronger team than city as a starting point to to, to get that game under the belt and get them straight back into it but also hopefully to to sort of progress in the cup it, it'll put them in a nice nice position and and yeah, and for this for the season as a whole, hopefully it's it's an ability to sort of reset, have a chat about what went wrong, and if there are, you know, any fitness issues, you know, arising from that sort of shorter preseason, if that has been the source of Liverpool's problems, then you'd like to think all those problems get ironed out in this period. Yeah, there's still what 24 league games left, isn't there? I mean, it's it's one of those things that Jurgen Klopp, I think, will will enjoy this next few weeks when he does it in terms of being able to to work with these players, take a, a bit of a rest, have a, a bit of a, a break from playing so many matches. It's going to be relentless in the second half of the season, but it does kind of feel like a, a winter break is is probably something that he's been desperately looking forward to for a while now. I think he'll be quite happy not to do any press conferences for a while. Um... <laughs> I think he was, he was he'd been less than subtle in his references to that uh, towards the end um but yeah i mean it, obviously in some ways you might say bad time for the uh, bad time for the break because they've just won the last four games but the reality is there's every chance this Liverpool team if they'd played on wednesday they got beat wherever it was they were playing just the way the season's gone so yeah they do need a bit of a break um going back to the world cup the only issue is that the seven players who were there i think nearly all of them are, are kind of Liverpool's regular starters or would be in the first choice team that's the only thing I think City have got 16 players I think it is like it's a ridiculous amount I think Arsenal, Tottenham, City and United have all got more players there than Liverpool Newcastle have only got four or five off the top of my head I think it might only be four actually um so but then with Newcastle they don't have Europe so it, it's interesting actually the whole Newcastle thing because I think we have to start looking at them as though they are real contenders for a top four place simply because they're going to play a lot fewer games they'll be able to strengthen their squad in the in january it's a lot easier for them to strengthen their squad from the base that they're on this is that basically they're in the position that Liverpool were in about six years ago except they've got a load of money so and also the newcastle which is it's always going to hamper them i'm afraid um but yeah the it, don't laugh lynching it's unfortunately that's true 
It's like if I set a team up here now in St. Helens with a million, with billions of pounds, the people aren't going to come. Some of them aren't going to come, will they? Even though they don't know the delights of the world of glass and the Church Street shopping centre and stuff like that. Come on, we've got three retail parks here. Um, so yeah, going back, going back to uh, what was the question? I can't even remember. World Cup. No idea. World you disrupted me with St. Helens chat. It was, it was the World Cup. This is this is the entertainment people want to listen to on this podcast. Um, yeah, sure it is. We've got six more weeks of this. Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, right. Uh, now the World Cup. I, in terms of Klopp, yeah, he'll be quite happy for it to be a break. I think he's always been a big advocate of these breaks. I think he'll be most particularly pleased when they get over to to Dubai, where they'll be going for the training camp. And he'll be able to work with not just the players who aren't playing, but obviously some of the players will be coming over from and being eliminated from the World Cup. And I think that's something people don't have to bear in mind. Just because people are getting knocked out of the World Cup, they're not going to be going straight into playing games. For example, Liverpool playing City in the Carabao Cup. You have to just assume that all the players who play in the World Cup won't be involved in that game. For that. But the, the other side to that is that there'll be quite a lot of First team regulars like Diaz, Jota, who could come in, people like that, who'll be playing. Gomez, Matip, they want to play football for ages. Thiago, I think that could be a strong team, but I mean that's another one, five weeks away. So I think for now, I think I think uh, Klopp and whatever Abbey will be just be happy to have a put the feet up for a couple of weeks. Uh, it is worth Cup mentioning on the World Cup players that although you know obviously the World Cup only finishes just before the uh, Premier League and everything starts up again, is a lot of those players will you know contenders to possibly go out in the group stages mm. um so that really changes things in terms of their availability or if they go out in the first knockout round um, they suddenly become available so you know not everyone's going to reach the final so you know liverpool could really they could have a, a really strong squad together by the time that man city game comes around well i've just looked at the schedule and it's one where um brazil could be playing uruguay in the round of 16 england could be playing netherlands so liverpool's players could be knocking each other out and Doing some of Klopp's squad a favour anyway. Not, liter- not literally. Not, not literally. That, that, no. that would be typical. <laughs> typical uh, the latest injury setback out for six months. <laughs> so yeah, it's only Canate I think who's not on to play any of his teammates in the round of sixteen. If you're thinking at the groups logically, so we could see a few coming home in the round of sixteen. Is anybody slightly concerned, by the way, just just to dwell on the World Cup a little bit that you've seen in the past were some teams or or countries or players they can have massive hangovers from look at england at euro 2020 euro 2020 where you know a lot of the players who played in that in that run to the final the next season it was like three or four months before they actually got over it really yeah and you know there's a chance that something like that could happen not just to liverpool's players but anyone anyone that's played Salah with Salah with that well exactly yeah so that's why City having so many players and Liverpool by comparison having as many and Arsenal and Tottenham having more. They do run that risk, although, as Lynch said, not many of them are going to get to the final. But even if they get to the quarterfinals, it's only one fewer week, one less week than getting to the final. So you've got a week of preparation, two weeks for the first round, another week for the knockout. So they're still going to be playing you know, three, four weeks of in, intense tournament football in a kind of environment that None of us really know what it's going to be like because it's never been played before in essentially just one one big city. So it will be interesting because they might not be as tired because we won't be travelling around as much, but there could be some other pressures on, on top of that as well. What yes. I'm really looking forward to is the managerial fume about the third and fourth playoff. So like say Brazil are in that game when Fabinho hasn't played at all during the tournament and then he's got to stay out there for an extra few days, play this meaningless game that matters nothing at all to the tournament and then goes and gets an injury. 
it maybe it won't be specific to Liverpool, but whoever is in that third and fourth place playoff, club managers will not be happy. Yes, certainly a lot to look out for over the course of the next few weeks. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the World Cup as we go along through these podcasts. No team selector. Of course, we won't have another one of those until just after the World Cup final. So we'll leave it there for today's podcast. We'll have all of the updates and the news, of course, on the parties being linked with an FSG takeover at Liverpool. All the latest on everything else as well around the Reds too over the course of the next few weeks. But now though, that's it for today's show. Thanks to Ian, to Theo and for David for joining me. We'll be back very soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.